witticism. Colloquialism. Segway. You're such an egotist. Yes. By the way, guys, I'm really humble. Well, how do you do? Now when you get for free. Oh, God, it's awful. Bad Philosophy, episode 160, recorded on February 19th, 2015. Some Prime Philosophy. Hello and welcome to Bad Philosophy. My name is Stephen Torrance, I'm your host, and I'm here, as always, with Kevin Saunders. Hey there, hi there, ho there. We are recording out of a, a room in Capital Factory, uh, hence the, the slight roominess to it's the like sound. We're in a room. We're, in, we're not in the room. Yeah. That's a wall. That's a wall. It's another wall. That's a door. It's a door. <laughs> There's a ceiling here as well, but I can't reach it we from can't this really position. Tap that, yeah. I mean, I can get on a table and maybe, but that's maybe not so much. Not a great idea. So it's episode 160. Um, is it? It is. Congrats. 160 episodes. Yes. Yeah. Is there is anything special about the number 160? Nah. I don't think so. Probably not. It's divisible by four and ten and five and eight and two. Two. And one. <laughs> 160. Yeah. 40. Yeah. <laughs> cool. It's got a lot of factors. Right. Well, now that we've done the factorization of uh, the episode number, maybe we should start it that way every time. Yeah. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about stuff. So... If you've listened to the most recent rule set update, you know that we uh, recently added a rule that we want to have guests on the show, or that we have to have guests on the show, <laughs> who are not like us. Yes. And the way that we defined it, and we defined it that way for a reason. It's just mm-hmm. like, not like us means, you know, not white, not straight, not male, any any and all of these. Any one of those. <laughs> right. Um, and, and we did our darndest... To we do tried. that today, um, um, so it's worth and and we can so we failed we yep, failed to do so. Yep. Uh, for uh, as as more. you'll hear by these silence or other than our names, right? Uh, yeah. Um, however, we uh, well and so we get to use the fail rule for the first time. Yeah. So we what get was the to, fail rule? Uh, the fail rule is we get to post a lyric of our choice on the other person's Twitter Oh, account. that's right. Oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> so, start thinking about that one, Kevin. And uh, mm. and we, we definitely have folks who we, we know will be in for future episodes. Yes. Just like, logistically, it didn't work out for this one. It was kind of a last-minute episode. And we haven't recorded in a while. Kevin was available and nobody else was. So, ooh, ooh, acknowledge ooh. that. What's up? 160 is the sum of the first 11 primes, as well as the sum of the cube of the first three primes. Wow. Okay. So, Thank you, Wikipedia. Some. This is a some prime episode. <laughs> Ayo. Ow. Yeah. Ow. That one. I wish there were things to throw at you. Oh, it's, there. There are. Uh, they're just well, full of beer at the moment. They're full of beer. I, <laughs> I can't throw things that are full of beer. It's bad for my constitution. Indeed. Um. Uh. <laughs> So we're uh, we're gonna riff on a few things today. I, th- I think um, we had some ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, talked about a few of them before the show. I, I do want to another part of the rules we changed is we we will have a philosophical angle. And yes, we want to really want to try and get some philosophy in this bad philosophy. Yeah. So one one thing that I, I propose maybe, and, and Kevin, I'm sure you know a lot more about this since your partner is um, studying Judith Butler, mm. but talking about. Um, 
kind of you know Judith Butler's as a philosopher, yeah. her influence on uh, on thought in America, you know, in, in, mm-hmm. the, in the late in the eighties and the early nineties, and how that might have influenced um, certain pop, popular culture movements, and maybe how it might not have influenced them as much as we thought it did, or as as we would may have hoped, or may have hoped, yeah. <laughs> So, real briefly, like Judith mm-hmm. Butler, uh, she's still alive. Yes, um, still working. I mean, she's she's only fifty eight. She's right. not even like old. <laughs> and and a, a prolific writer and philosopher and activist mm-hmm. uh, so far. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, by all accounts, a continental philosopher. You know, not in the analytic tradition. She is post structuralist, uh, post modernist, feminist. Um, has written on sexuality and gender theory and queer theory and feminist theory and political philosophy. And lots She's and written lots written about and a lot of things. Stuff. Even even psychoanalysis. Yes. Um, and yeah. very very extensively, some might say um, opaquely. <laughs> she's she's tough to read. She's loquacious. <laughs> uh, she's uh, yeah. She's there's there's a there's a few like really important things that she read wrote that I have attempted to read more than once and not been incredibly successful in. Apparently some of her more recent books give more accessible accounts yes. of these things because uh, that criticism kind of came back around to her mm-hmm. and so she, she really worked on that. Yeah. Um, including uh, Undoing Gender yeah. and uh, Giving an Account of Oneself. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of which, I you know just reading the Wikipedia summaries and rather interested in yeah uh worth noting she hasn't published anything for a while for well, i don't think she's published any books i think she's still done some essays okay and like in journals and things like that i don't know that for sure but um i would i bet the internet will tell me uh yeah i mean there's there's i got her wikipedia yeah. she's definitely written a lot um yeah here's so recent publications uh yeah she's published some papers yeah I mean, it's, it's interesting because that's where, that's where a lot of the, the primary work is done nowadays is in journals. Um, okay. Like every now and then you you put out a book every five years or ten yeah, years. But it's like kind and of the summary meanwhile, of the journal. And meanwhile, you do, you do all these papers and, and essays and things within a journal. Mm. I mean, that's that's at least in the in the fields I'm familiar with. I don't know because she's, she's not a theater scholar. I mean, she is a straight-up philosopher. Like that's yeah. her thing. She doesn't do um, literary criticism the way that um, – the other person who I always really like, um, the feminist spectator, who uh, that's the name of her blog. Not sure. Not uh, Adriana Cavarero. No. Or, no. The femi- I'm going to pull up her blog. Okay. That's uh, Martha Nussbaum. No. 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 Uh, I can't believe I can't. I'm like all my like official feminist cards are just being taken away. Dope. Um, That's all right. And so it's it's worth noting that that Butler is widely read in current uh, feminist theory. Yes. Uh, courses and uh, in feminist. Jill studies. Dolan. That's her name. Jill Dolan. Sorry. Jill Dolan. Jill Dolan. Jill Dolan. Um, Jill Dolan. Seriously though, Jill read Dolan. the Feminist Spectator. Like if you have if you still subscribe to feeds, put that one on yours. Okay. Um, because she's worth reading. Follow her on Facebook. I mean, you probably should. <laughs> probably or Twitter, all the. Um, but she, I mean, she she is a she is a feminist literary critic, um, mm. more so than than Judith Butler. She talks about specific works. Um, mm. You know, her essay on Gone Girl. Like I saw Gone Girl, and then I read her essay on Gone Girl, and I go, "Yep, 
That's that's all the things I failed to articulate. Yeah. <laughs> Did she have any thoughts on Fifty Shades? Uh, not that I've read, but I, don't see anything I haven't on, caught up lately. She um, wrote on uh, Theory of Everything in the Imitation yeah, Game. Yeah, she wrote about The Fall, um, Julian Anderson's series on BBC. Good. Um, most of these I haven't read lately because I haven't, I haven't caught up. Um, but. Good. So, so Judith Butler, to, to get back to yes, it, back somewhat to of the Butler. thread, um, as a continental philosopher, just to, as sort of a refresher, so continental philosophy encompasses a lot. <laughs> it encompasses, it's basically continental philosophy, even, even the term is loaded. It's sort of like... <laughs> The, you can Which see continent? it as, as being coming up as, as like all these British and American philosophers like referring to the other, right? <laughs> the continent being like not us. Yeah. Uh, you know, Germany, uh, France, the, the like mainland all Europe. The, yeah. yeah, mainland Europe. That's what they mean by the continent. The continent. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, it encompasses a lot of different things i mean german idealism phenomenology existentialism structuralism and post-structuralism uh all kinds of even western marxism i mean these are these are not necessarily related uh or even compatible they just all come from that that same region (laughs) right (laughs) so we've called them continental philosophers yeah in the in the same way as like you've you've got Eastern philosophy and that's yeah. sort of lumped together as like well everything even though, they can, even though they, there's the, it runs the game there's so. all sorts of you know stuff there which is you know talking right. about Orientalism and like Ugh, yeah you know that that whole thing but if you need a broad category can, continental philosopher sure. one you can apply to Judith Butler um, she definitely falls more specifically into the post-structuralism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and feminist camp, yeah, and, uh, and a lot of and, and not a lot, but definitely into uh, queer theory as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving in that realm, I mean, her uh, gender trouble is definitely a uh, germinal text mm-hmm. in the the world of queer theory. So she has, and kind of that her seminal thing seems to be that like idea of performativity mm-hmm. and and gender as performance. Can right? We, can we pause for just a moment because something I don't think we've ever talked about on this show? Yeah, or if we haven't, it hasn't been recently. So I just use the term germinal, and you just try to use the term seminal. These are Ooh. these are really, and I, I intentionally use the term germinal, particularly when talking about works like Jill Dolan. Interesting. But see, wow. Um, and seminal is is much more commonly used in our language. And this was pointed out to me a few years ago, and yeah. I, I've been very aware of it since then. Oh man. Um, but you want to talk about? So we say something is seminal. It is. It is the seed. It is the uh. beginning of. Right. All these other things, and it can be any context. That seed also has to have, <laughs> and 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 ju- so it's just yeah. this 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 gendered term that's a part of our life, and my, my, it, my. I think it feeds into some of the work that Judith Butler does. Thank you, and Kevin. so uh, yeah, germinal. Uh, germinal. Work that into your into your uh, germinal work. Yeah. So germinal is just a more. There's, there's, it's, not, it's neutral. The, it's, well, not necessarily. It's, right? it's feminine. Um, uh, okay. Okay. Um, I, I would. I mean, in in the same way that you know, you have the the seed and the the semen and the egg, and mm-hmm. you know, those seminal and germinal, those are similar. Okay. Um, that's my understanding of the term. But anyway, but just being aware of that diversive. Wow. It's everywhere. Oh. <laughs> As I think Jill Dolan and excuse me, Judith Butler Judith would be Butler happy to tell you. Out. Yeah. 
So she she's starting from uh, this germinal idea of, of mm-hmm. gender performativity. Can, do you have a, like a quick summary of that, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Um, I mean, I mean, to Judith, quickly Judith summarize, Butler, Judith Butler is maybe um, possible. Gender is performed. I think I think that's the important thing. And and she even goes as so far as to say that sex is performed, which is which is one of those things that. Mm that can really blow people's minds, that sex is not a biological trait. Sex is sociological. Sex is hmm. uh, structurally assigned. Wow. Um, and I, I agree with her. I don't fully grasp it, but I, there's, there's something there that I'm like, I think, I think this is right. Um, yeah. And, and anyway, um, but and, that's and, sort and, of... And generally, though, a lot of people would find that extremely counterintuitive. Oh, yeah. It would be like, People get mad when you say no. things like that. Yeah. Like, like, no. Boys are boys, th- girls are girls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, which is, I mean, I maybe want to want to dive into that a little bit deeper. Yeah. Is she Is she trying to argue then that, because she's written a lot about um, transgender, uh, she's done a lot in transgender mm-hmm. studies and queer studies and sort of, like, we, we learn a lot about any topic by looking at the marginal cases, mm-hmm. right? Like looking at the extremes by yeah. looking at the the places where the supposedly discrete blur together. Mm-hmm. And in transgender studies, you know, and, and that is like a yeah. in those cases you are you are talking about mm-hmm. what many people would describe as like a switching, right? You yeah. you sort of flipped a switch biologically. Mm-hmm. You've there's something internal that is you are directing back to an external expression, yeah. right? Um, that in, in some cases, you have to very intentionally and surgically change yourself but, right, to, but, in but order you to express. You right? don't have to, though. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there, are, there are plenty of transgender people, and, and this is one of those things that's, that's really important, I think, just for people to know. Mm-hmm. Being transgender isn't about and transitioning more specifically mm-hmm. isn't about having a procedure done. Uh, it is about the performance of gender. Gotcha. It never actually matters what's in the bathing suit area. So how do transgender how do those who identify as, as transgender mm-hmm. with that community identify the, the difference between whether they have transitioned biologically or it, in, it, in the that's, gender so that's the thing is, like, is it doesn't actually it's it's not a it's impolite to ask of course um, yeah. B it doesn't matter mm-hmm. um, because and so I think, to, hence why it's transgender and not transsex or like again so how does Judith Butler get yeah, to get around I don't, like I don't know I don't know how Judith Butler does it um, yeah. and it's one of those things that it's it's not about and, and transsexual is totally a word yeah um, and it's a word that's used commonly but I think transsexual fell out of fashion because it focused on that quote-unquote biologicality yeah. of it. Right, right, right. Um, and so the term transgender became, gained more prominence because it, because people are much more easily accessible, uh, willing to accept the idea that of gender being performed. Yeah. Gender as a presentation. You, you bump up against sex as a presentation, they go, uh, I don't know, but biology says, and you yeah. go, well, but we write biology. Yeah. And they go, eh, but... Yeah. Gender being performative, people kind of get that because we we have edge cases of that. Um, we have popularly accepted edge cases of that. Yeah. Um, Monty Python and the Pepper Pots. Um, you know, all of these these female characters portrayed by the six men of Monty Python. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those situations. Well, that's 
we we kind of understand that you can you can act like a different gender, you can mm-hmm. perform as a different gender, because we have these markers as a society that this marker means gender X, this marker means gender Y, or maybe I should say A or B there. X and Y is a little obvious, but yeah, <laughs> without, yeah. without, without B, I mean, yeah. male because it's it's not necessarily a J binary. J or K, it's square or binary. circle. Yeah, 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 but it's it's not a binary. I've actually yeah. like square and circle. I like those two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> gender square, gender circle, gender triangle, gender circle. Yeah. Well, actually, then you can get in problems because those are uh, triangles in particular are mm. a. Um, uh, Signifier within certain queer communities. Oh, like the uh, um, asexual community uses the I, triangle. I think. Or? I don't know. I know it is uh, used by them. I don't know enough about them. Interesting. My ignorance is showing. Yeah. Um, How about octahedrons? There we go. Uh, <laughs> octahedrons. They're, I am octahedral. I will uh, identify with the octahedron. But sort um, of this, I, the, the idea that gender is performed, I think, I think is a core part of Judith Butler's work. Yeah. And that we fight against those structures by playing with that performance. Hmm. Um, and it's not something that you can necessarily win or dismantle or tear apart, hmm. but you, you play in it, you fight in it, you, you parody it. Hmm. Um, it's honestly one of the reasons I like painting my fingernails is things like that. Hmm. It's sort of this unexpected and this, this playfulness. I don't present as female. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't identify as female. Um, I was assigned male at birth, and that happened to generally match what society has made me believe I am. Yeah, uh, that's a a big bucket of worms there as well. Right. You know what makes me male or what makes me female, which which leads into a lot of the things that I think where where some contention happens. Um, looking, let's let's look at at homosexuality sort of as as yeah. not as a parallel to uh, sexual identity because I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're distinct things. A Transgendered man isn't necessarily homosexual, or vice versa, or right. anything it's like that. Just a, yeah. Those got blurred for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and when transgenderism didn't didn't exist in society, mm-hmm. it was very easy to say, "Oh, he's a homosexual." Mm-hmm. Um, that that worked for people. We had a term for that, even yeah. though that wasn't necessarily it's like a really convenient. Other. Yeah. yeah. That's it's there. Yeah, they're over there. Um, yeah. But so this is a really interesting thing going to the to the biology of it. Um, it's commonly accepted that homosexuality is not a choice. It's not something one intends to become. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's. But that was that was a a big fight for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where you know it was. In the earliest DSMs, it was a disease. It was a mental condition. Right. Um, and there was a, there was an argument to make it. There was an argument to get it into the DMV. DMV. <laughs> DSM. The DSM. Yeah. Um, Diagnostic Statistic Manual or whatever it stands for. Um, for visibility. To make it something that people were aware of, and to not make it a thing, and I'm I'm screwing this up. No, I, it's okay. I don't know the story at all. There's an episode of like Radio Lab about it. 
Maybe. Um, There's been a brief plug for yeah. other podcasts that are kicking our ass. Um, Invisibilia. Yeah, that, <laughs> that show yeah. blasted onto the market and made Whee! me wish it existed all the time forever. Yeah, and they have a fantastic episode on categories yes. that includes a phenomenal discussion and interviews with people and yeah. all kinds uh, of fun stuff. So you should go listen to that. But if, if, you, want, if you want to talk yeah. about like gender as a social construct, Whee! like that... Yeah. That episode. That case. Um, so, it, and carrying forth the, the notion oh. of... So I, what I'm really curious about then is when you talk about gender performance uh-huh. uh, in relation to homosexuality, yeah, right? there are multiple gender performances possible within... For someone who is... It, I don't even know how to, how to say it, but like if homosexuality is something that you can't change intentionally, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even that culture may try to change, but that, mm-hmm. that you can't change... Um, where is it coming from then? Well, that's the thing. And I, th- I think it is socially constructed. But it is an important thing to remember huh. the difference between socially constructed and intentionally created. Right. But, but we're excluding the notion that that homosexuality is grounded in something biological. I'm not necessarily excluding that. Okay. Is Judith um, Butler doing that? I don't know. Okay. Um... I, I have no idea. Okay. I, I, I think there's, there's always sort of this question of categorization mm-hmm. in that when you say, oh, it's biology, you're putting it in that box and you are limiting it right. with that categorization one way or the other. Um, there's, there's too much complexity and variety to strictly say that any one of them is a certain thing. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's, you should, you should Google, um, the gender bred person. Um, I think is, I think that's what it's called. Um, there's a, there's a really cool thing here that I think is worth referencing as sort of a, be careful too with the tally on the table. It's going to come up into the microphone. So just looking at your picture there. Um, (laughs) this is, this is a really helpful instructional tool that I think gets to, is a really beginner tool when we're started talking about identity politics and sexuality. It, so I found a link to a blog that, oh, it's the, um, Gotcha. It's a it's an image. Yeah, okay. it's an image. Is it the uh, is it the two point oh? No, because there's there the is a two point gingerbread person two point Um. So you've got um, four. Okay, so I got you got different dimensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, gender identity, womanness, manness, um, gender expression, mm-hmm. masculine, feminine. Mm-hmm. Biological sex, female, male, mm-hmm. uh, and then attracted to yes, and then men, males, masculinity, women, w- females, femininity. Yeah, um, and so this is this is sort of a really okay, interesting so breakdown of sort of where, hmm. how what, how these what we're talking about when we're categorizing yeah. these things. I will. This will be the uh, header image for our episode <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, it's it's one of those really interesting things that's that's really important because it's sort of saying all of these different categories exist and you can fit in different places on them. It used to be a spectrum. Um, that was yeah. the, that was the genderbred person one point like, This is a bunch of spectra. Well, this is not even spectrum because it's and if you look at the first version, it's it's male to female. 
on each of these, or uh, attracted to men, to women. And here it's just sort of, it's like... It's uh, two different possibilities. You can be more attracted to one than the other, or equally attracted to both, or or you can equally identify with both. But it's it's not that one... It, it removes the left and rightness of them, uh, or the yeah, sort of yeah. spectrum... And, and it broadens it. A spectrum is just a stretched out binary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, which I, I, I don't like when people sort of hand... I, I now, I've just decided I don't like the, the sort of hand waving that happens when someone says, oh, well, it's a spectrum. Because it just it just means it's just a different way it's still it's, you're it's still limiting in, yeah it's still and you're still saying in the in the kind of the comfortable mm-hmm. uh, idea of it's between two poles yeah. so it's like right. black and white or gray sometimes or what gray. about purple yeah what about um, octahedrons yeah like, what about octahedrons right um, <laughs> sort of and so there are a lot of dimensions yeah and this and this little it's, it's person it's, is a great way of, like, a of showing model. that yeah, yeah. I, th- I think uh, one of the one of the challenges, I suppose, for a lot of folks now is is finding um, this common language, mm-hmm. right? And and I think this is a this is something where where Judith Butler has established a lot of mm-hmm. of the language. It seems definitely, but to definitely me. been a part of that establishment, right? Of that language and, yeah. and norm normalizing. Yeah. I don't think we, I don't think we would have the phrase gender performativity without Judith Butler. Definitely not. Um, so it's it's helped that she's she has established a lot of this conceptually. Mm-hmm. And, the thing is, though, it definitely still seems to be a moving target. There are different factions in different communities that adopt certain models or others. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally for a person, like, I can, I sort of, I see being homeschooled, being, you know, from a generally conservative household, mm-hmm. definitely nuclear family, everyone identified with the gender that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah, yeah. Um, a lot of these concepts just look like gibberish, and they're they're more confusing than they are helpful. Mm-hmm. And then generally, the response from the queer community is, "Well, screw you! If you don't want to try to understand me, you're part of the problem." And and I, I wonder, like, and, and I know that that like mm-hmm. there's been a lot of progress made to opening people's minds to to this kind of thing. But the and here I'll use this to segue. Do, do you have a thought about well, that? Well, I want to I want to I want to shift your perspective a little bit. Okay. Okay. So let's. I'm say, just like I'm sort of yeah, playing. Like, yeah. This is how it looks from the outside. Definitely. And I and I think I think yeah. I understand that perspective. Right. But here's the other perspective of that. Mm-hmm. Someone who is transgendered, let's say, mm-hmm. and is is open about that. Um, because there are, there are plenty of transgender w- women and men who pass, and you would never know it if you were to meet them. Yeah. Um, you would never suspect that they were assigned something different than what they present to you. Um, that that's happens. And that's, for many of them, that's the goal. That's what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, but every single person they come in contact with Says, ah, that's too much. That's a lot of gibberish. And it gets frustrating. And so, at one point in time, they probably tried to explain it to people. Oh, they probably tried to help. (laughs) Because they wanted you to believe that. Say, no, let let me help you understand this. Yeah, let's unpack this. And then every single person you meet has that issue, has that same problem. And there's only so much that you can put towards that Mm -hmm. to say, well, let me help you with this. And eventually it becomes, no, you are clearly the problem. Right. Um, and so it's important to, to remember that while it seems novel from our side of the street, this is something they live and experience every single day. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, that, <laughs> and it 
duh. <laughs> that sucks on like a whole other dimension because yeah. then it's in startup terms a scaling problem, right? Like, I what I can relate to uh-huh. on this front is trying to sort of un- like we did in the in the episode on the sign language stuff. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. trying, you know, really taking someone through all of the reasons why the deaf community was upset about what I was doing yeah, um, and helping them get to that point. It's just, and then that's like a relatively easy case, mm-hmm. you know, but, but most people are just sort of, wow, that's really confusing. I can't see why that would be the case. Mm-hmm. And um, folks, curiosity only goes so far. Yeah. Uh, Cause we live in uh, one, <laughs> some people have described as an attention economy, right? Yeah. Everyone feels like they're, their attention is scarce. I mean, the time mm-hmm. we have here is scarce. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, complex concepts, no matter what they are, uh-huh. become kind of, kind of scary in that they are, they look expensive in the same way that like a really expensive car, like you're just not, you're never going to go near that if yeah. you don't feel like you have the, the capital mm-hmm. to spend on that. Um, if that's not valuable to you. Yeah. Um, you're just not going to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, f- yeah, for many people, and then, then you start to not distinguish between expensive things yeah. by any other standard. Mm-hmm. So intentionally expensive things. I'm just sort of like riffing on this on this concept. I'm sure it's been better articulated Probably. elsewhere. Uh, that doesn't mean you shouldn't. <laughs> so I, I want to I wanna use that kind of to segue. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I think you're, yeah, you've got a great point there, Kevin. And we, like, a demeanor, instead of thinking about ourselves as, like, we have a, you know, this attention scarcity mm-hmm. and I have to, like, you know, budget my time and all these other things. I think that, I'm uh, sorry, I'm getting a call and I don't know who that is. So I'm just going to... Problem solved. Problem solved. <laughs> Another way to go about that is just to be open and just like mm-hmm. every you know, person you come across, like be curious and give them your time. Let them, you know, unfold this complexity mm-hmm. as far as they care to before as, you. As far as they and, are willing to. You don't right. have to force them to do any of that either. <laughs> yeah, of course. But by showing the willingness to kind of let them talk like that, that itself, that stance mm-hmm. already begins to mend a lot of mm-hmm. the... A lot of the strife. I, I'm trying to find it's about, this it's about empathy. <laughs> well, so I was trying to find this article about. Um, it, it came from. It, it was a critique of the of the trans community from a transgender person, mm-hmm. um, specifically critiquing the the um, use of aggression and aggressive tactics and polemical uh, writing, mm-hmm. um, such as cis male scum, mm-hmm. right? Like these sorts of very exclusionary uh, very exclusionary positions mm-hmm. uh, as as like a as a strategy because she was like well this this is um, this is exactly you're still using the system that was oppressing you like mm-hmm. you're using the tools and methods of the of this mm-hmm. of this this system to just sort of re and, and the fact that you're reinforcing those tools and the use of those tools mm-hmm. is further contributing to like the problems sure. that we're all facing. So it was it was more it was like a critique of method rather than, mm-hmm. than any particular action. And, I, and I she came under a lot of criticism I, for writing I'm sure this she article. Did. So. And, and but it's it's the the analogy I immediately think of is another civil rights historical moment and that was Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. 
um, who, who had the same goal in mind, but used very different tactics to achieve it. And I think yeah. both were necessary for success. Um, and of course, we shot both of them, so there's that. Yeah. Um, we, we shot the peaceful one just like we shot the violent one. Um, and, and so I think, because I, I think there's a danger with, with that sort of a mindset of, well, we have to be nice. We can't use the, we can't be oppressive in our own terminology and things like that. I think there's a danger of, or a fear of assimilation. Mm. With that, something like that, which which the deaf community definitely expresses as well. There's like yeah. if we if we let you know all of our kids get cochlear implants mm-hmm. and adopt the you know terminology and culture, like we are going to disappear. Yeah. What we sort which, of identify which with. is and, and but when you encourage that, that then becomes a form of colonialization and, yeah. and, and power and control and sort of saying you have to become like us. Mm-hmm. And there's arguments to be made on both sides, and I don't, I don't think it should be a binary. No, of course not. <laughs> it's well, it's this dance of like, where, where do mm-hmm. we draw the line? You mm-hmm. know, where is the, what, what things are necessary, like really, really necessary yeah. to hold on to strongly mm-hmm. now? You know, because they may not be the things that we need mm-hmm. to hold on to always. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's this like continuing discussion and dialogue yeah. and, and reimagination. It just all happens like very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, it's constantly changing and flowing and moving. Yeah. And, and anytime, I just, I worry anytime someone says, you shouldn't express that emotion. Or you shouldn't express that way that way. Because that's, that's a silencing technique. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think the article went that far. I, I recall it being much more of a, hey, I think been, there I might be a problem it. here yeah. kind of a tone versus like yeah. a very like, hey, we should stop this now. Yeah, like, but that's, kind of a, that's always sort of that's, you know, why can't you be like... The nice gay kids I know, oh. like the 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 ones who wear suits and but coming, ties and do coming what from they a want. transgender person though, like yeah, what happens? That happens the, that, that again. Happens the, the, yeah, yeah. Well, again, you you saying coming from like, you say it like that, like there's a like there's a universal experience of being transgender. Not necessarily, but more like there's there's a lot of. There's a lot of sort of I don't know you you would find it less likely that someone would have such a simplistic conception mm-hmm. of you know coming through and and ha- like having to form a, a sure. culturally uncommon gender but identity. But I, I also right? see I don't know that's that's maybe an assumption. I also I have seen a lot of people in disenfranchised groups, people in groups that are othered by the common social constructs of society right now yeah who very very much are focused on their own oppression and completely ignore the fact that they are oppressing others in different groups yeah that was another thrust of the criticism um and i think that and 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 i say other oppressed groups Mm -hmm. you know which is to say not you and i yeah (laughs) um uh uh, uh, i really want to talk to you total Uh, stranger so yeah, we'll, we'll um, do a call back there. And and I'm not one who can because I'm not in a position to call them out on that necessarily mm-hmm. because of my positionality. Yeah. Um, because I'm I am from a a position of privilege and power um, from a social standpoint, but I see it a lot. Yeah. And and it can be very easy for someone who does not have privilege in a certain area to assume that they don't have any privilege anywhere. 
and can ignore their own privileges. This is like the Dan Savage problem we talked about before. Probably. Like, yeah. you know, he's sort yeah. of like, he's a gay male, so all of a sudden he can talk about anything. Yeah. Right? But he still has sort of the male oppressive mm-hmm. tendencies. He does. And like, well, yeah. and, and I mean, Dan Savage has been known to be very... What's the word? He's known to be very... He's known to erase bisexuality oh. and transgenderedness in his own advice he, and pretend that's not a thing. Hmm. Um, and, and erasure of that. And when he's speaking from his position of authority, well, I'm a gay man, so I know these things. Right. You go, well, but you're not a part of those communities and those identities. Do you think the performance of them. authority itself requires you to make such... Erasures and, and distinctions. I don't know if it requires it, but it seems like it happens a lot. Right? Like, uh, I, almost, I almost wonder if that is something essential to... Maybe. To, to, I mean, as an authority, yeah. you, are, you are acting as sort of this judge or arbiter, mm-hmm. like passing down sort of wisdom to, mm-hmm. to you know, the masses and, like, and, and necessarily kind of collapsing questions into certainties. Yes. Rather than sort of, than like picking apart mm-hmm. something into all of the myriad questions of which it is composed, yeah. right? Um, so I, I don't know. Huh. That's, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not authoritative enough to have a definitive so answer. Contrast Dan Savage with like Judith Butler, right? Mm-hmm. Like what what sort of you know is she is she ex- like how does her how does her method differ from from someone like a Dan Savage? It's it's hard to say because I've, I've just read way more Dan Savage than I have Judy Butler, listen, yeah. um, which which I don't read Dan Savage anymore because I kind of got fed up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I can answer that question, it's a tough one. So that well, it's, it's an interesting yeah. question. If if any of y'all listening have an articulation, uh, some or thoughts on that, yeah. Like, Contrast Dan Savage and Judith Butler's <laughs> methods of, contrast. of authority. Venn diagram. You know, <laughs> using a five-paragraph essay. Right. <laughs> Formal structure. Well, I, I was kind of segueing one direction, and then I ended up <laughs> going a different Where way. Where were you trying to segue to? I was trying to segue from um, the the notion of sort of a, a common, uh, defanged. Uh, understanding of homosexuality mm-hmm. into something uh, I experienced at the uh, the Austin Pride Parade last mm-hmm. year, which was and so it was a uh, kind of a chilly fall evening yeah, or something. No, it was during, actually it was it was during the summer, so it was okay. like late summer. Um, good weather for it. Um, happened downtown Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, extremely well attended. I mean, the, the streets for, for probably three dozen blocks were lined with, you know, five or six rows deep of people mm-hmm. um, very consistently. So there was, it was a lot of folks who came out for it. Um, those who marched in the parade, though, were, were more interesting to me. It sort of began with, with uh, the, the local activist groups. Uh, I, I forget exactly mm-hmm. who, but, like, you had a lot of... Um, you had a lot of floats, you know, cars with towing a trailer of one kind or another. Sure. And, um, it's a parade. <laughs> right. Uh, and and there, so there was representation from churches who were, like, accepting mm-hmm. uh, of, of uh, gay and lesbian and uh, the, yeah. the LGBTQAT. Quiltback. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> it's got I, all of them. <laughs> there's a, I heard another one today that involved, like, a lot more peas than I was 
I, forget, I don't know. It, it involved like a bunch of letters, a bunch of T's maybe that, <laughs> I don't know. Um, however you want to identify, like open to this discussion yeah. in a broad sense. Mm-hmm. Um, of, let's say, you know, pride around who you are. Yeah. And then about halfway through, you started seeing like companies. I mean, there were politicians there mm-hmm. as well who were like supportive of these issues. Various organizations and mm-hmm. associations. Uh, the Boy Scouts of America were very uh, prominently placed up front. Huh. I think they were like the flag bearers at the beginning, cool. which was I wonder, like I wonder if that's a particular troop. So um, cool to see, yeah, yeah. like some from troop. And then you started to see like companies uh-huh. slipping in, and the one that just really got me was Apple uh-huh. had flown in something like. Five or six thousand people, like it was, it was in the thousands. Well, of they folks. have a they have a headquarters here, don't right? They? There's they have a headquarters here, but they also there were a lot of folks who flew in from other parts of the country or, okay. or bust in from like around Texas or even okay. farther. All dressed the same in sort of this white shirt with the with the apple uh, rainbow apple logo. Okay. Um, they just there were so many mm-hmm. of these people. That it just complete like that their contingent took probably f- like thirty minutes to walk by. It was just like it was something ridiculous to where yeah. you were like, "Oh my God, they're still coming." Mm-hmm. And and this was not that these were all folks who who identified as you know some somewhere mm-hmm. in this in this realm, but just like I guess allies, allies everyone um, like every anyone and everyone who wanted to show up in, in support mm-hmm. of this thing. Um, that just like kept going and going and going and going and going, and, when it, and it was like, even the even the MCs were sort of like, and it's still Apple people. Like, hey, wow, there are a lot of y'all. Like uh-huh. just sort of a, like they were probably sixty percent of the attendees of this parade, hmm. right? Like it was just something ridiculous yeah. like that. Um, and then Facebook, of course, was out there. Really? Dropbox, right? We're we're giving out little like rainbow shaded bonus cards for here's some free storage, <laughs> you know, and like. Um, just tossing those at everybody. Yeah, Dropbox doesn't have a have a conflicted history, right? I mean, when you look at like I mean, Condoleezza Rice being on their board now, yeah, and... that's why I left. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So and and so that's that's really what I want to get at is yeah. like there is this sort of oh this is the this is in the zeitgeist we need mm-hmm. to associate ourselves What's with the, with the commodification, right? And it and it got me as like. And I was I was there with a, with a, a man, a friend of mine who identifies mm-hmm. as homosexual, uh-huh. and he he was like, "Well, we we won, like <laughs> sort of a you know pride parades used to be a, like kind of an exception, and like uh-huh. you know, it was you a would, weird it was a weird thing, you know, and yeah. you had like and they were composed of people who were like, this is who we are, yeah. right? Like accept us or don't or yeah. And okay, so. So they won, yeah. right? Or we won or something. I think capitalism won. Right. And and it was another one of those like really? I mean it goes back to that same <laughs> little two panel comic yep. from Action Philosophers, Action Philosophers about capitalism. Yeah. Is we take these these earth shattering ideologies and mm-hmm. we capitalize on them. Or the uh, the second episode of Black Mirror. It's like, you know, we will yeah. we will eat that cancerous dissident mm-hmm. force within us, mm-hmm. um, except we won't really it. eat it. We will we will put it like front and center, mm-hmm. paint it you know brilliant colors, and say you should see this too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and just make it 
part of the system. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was extremely disheartened by that whole thing. <laughs> because, because I think what it is, is like, okay, well, we've reduced um, pride to a set of symbols and mm-hmm. binaries once again. And commodities. And commodities. And things you can buy. Right. It's, okay, it's, uh, it's rainbows. It's, uh, you know, guys dancing in underwear. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, we have the... Um, drag queens yeah. and, and kings, right? Float, like, okay, checking off the boxes, you mm-hmm. know, just, we got all of it there. Like, it's it's and, forcing these these liminal things into categories. Yes, yes. And so when you talk about play, I'm like, I almost, I'm sort of like, where are the limits of that now mm-hmm. that aren't also commodified Well, I think we have to make them. I think we have to find them. I think we have to create them. Okay. Um, I think, because I I think that was was a critique that was put towards Butler at one point that I read years ago, so I'm probably misquoting it terribly. Um, But it was sort of that limitation of, well, with this play, how do you ever overturn it? Right. Um, How do you ever destroy that structure? And I think the argument is you don't. You can't. It has to be a continual like yeah, energy because yeah. destroying one structure creates a new one. So right. it's this constant. You you fight it from within, but you never. Your goal is not necessarily to destroy it; is to disrupt. Mm. Um, but that is that is an extreme. Like as a as a human being, mm-hmm. uh, I think anyone <laughs> would say like that constant input of energy, uh, a constant disruption is tiring. Sure, it's exhausting. Sure. It is it is a it is a struggle of struggles yeah. like to to just to to be I mean it is almost like the the ultimate struggle of being alive mm-hmm. you know it's this constant input of energy into a system mm-hmm. and uh, you can see why we just sort of like we prefer structures and we prefer structures that don't change because it's like it's energetically more efficient you know yeah. it is it is the orbital that 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 is less excited you mm-hmm. know we sort of <laughs> And sit there, and yeah. um, it is the chair of thought, right? <laughs> the bed of thought, right? Versus the the you know dancing around on a on a you know with, with a with a kite of thought, yeah. right? Kite of thought. <laughs> I don't know it's why that came up. Kite of thought. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's it's right? playful. <laughs> yeah. It is it is really playful, but it's like you can't spend your entire life dancing around with a kite. And and I feel like for for many people that that's mm-hmm. like that feel that is the way they have to live and you just you get I mean I don't know I would like to look at rates of burnout within these communities of just like at what point do you just go I am tired yeah. this is good enough they won peace <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> um, and of course terrible right if too many people take on that that mm-hmm. idea and so maybe it is just this like. The, con- the churning. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's constant, um, and you you know you hope if you put down the fight, someone else is there to pick it up. Right. I don't know what what philosophy that that drops into. I mean, that's that's sort of a maybe a realism of sorts. It's like a pragmatism. Defeatism. <laughs> well, isn't it's not defeatism. It's just sort yeah. of a. Weirdly, it reminds me of like the. Um, <laughs> Uh, mission accomplished, right? And the, the, <laughs> the notion of the war on drugs or yeah. the, the the war on terrorism. It's like, well, this is a war that will never end. Mm-hmm. There is never there is a war on on the ossification of thought itself, yeah. right? 
like that that seems to be where Butler is coming from maybe uh, in like maybe. an ultimate sense is yeah. she's she's continuing the tradition and, and you know post structuralism for me sure. in, a, in a broad sense is that war on like conservatism maybe mm-hmm. or the I think ossification is, is the ossification, word I like for that. <laughs> yeah um, and let me make sure I'm using that right stagnatization stagnation and, yeah, yeah like stagnation that's, um, that's the actual word not stagnatization <laughs> stagnatization um, turn bone into bony tissue or cease developing to be yeah. stagnant yeah and that's yeah like the cease developing it's like yeah. a, a cessation uh, which weirdly is like the essence of life itself mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's tough but it is tough and it's like it requires maybe it just requires us to be reproducing new people <laughs> yeah right like, yeah. just bringing new energy let's, let's make some more god did we just get to the meaning of life yes maybe yeah good enough okay close enough should we wrap early we're, we've what got, are we at uh, we've got another 13 minutes actually that we could be that we could be talking know. we started at 19 we're at 66 what else would we talk about for 13 minutes um you see uh, Jupiter Ascending I didn't. It's a good movie. What? Yeah. I heard it was terrible. Yeah. It, that's not true. It's, why? Not, it's not a great movie. Okay. Why did you think Jupiter Ascending is a good movie? Because it's a fun action romp of spectacularness. Okay. I mean, it, it's it's so an the, action movie. It's from the Wachowskis. Like, yeah. straight up, so written, here's, directed. Here's the problem. Like, okay. And I, I, I walked out of the theater and I said, I think this is the problem. I think this is why everybody can't like the Wachowskis anymore. What, because it's not The Matrix? Because they made The Matrix first. <laughs> okay. They made The Matrix. Yeah. They, they, technically, they made Bound first. Um, yeah. But they made The Matrix first. Like, the right. Matrix was what it was put them breakout. on the scene. Yeah. It, was, it was this earth-shattering, world-changing film. Mm-hmm. Which really, they just, like, com- they, they put the cyberpunk revolution of the yeah, 80s yeah, but, in a movie. But yeah, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. But it yeah. was, I mean... <laughs> And everybody since then has wanted them to make movies that have that much of a cultural impact. Uh, and I, I ask you, how many directors have more than one of those movies in their lifetime? Right. Um, well, not many. <laughs> not many. Yeah. I mean, there's there's probably a couple, but like Spielberg, Scorsese. I said Scorsese, but he's he's nah, got he really, like yeah, he's got one or two like maybe I think uh, arguably. Um, the one that I can't remember the name of. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, Godfather? Yeah, Godfather. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, Godfather. But... Yeah, like, and all the other movies are, are aping that and are, and are mm. in similar veins and things like that. Yeah. But none of them are the Godfather. The Godfather. Yeah. Um, and I think every time the Wachowskis make a movie, people want it to be The Matrix. Mm. Like, Speed Racer was not The Matrix. Speed Racer was a, hey, let's a have cartoon fun. on screen, and it was amazing, and I loved it. Right. Um, I haven't seen Cloud Atlas still. I need to. Uh, it's okay. It's um, right. Yeah. I'm I'm intrigued to death by it. I really want to see it. Wait, um, Wait. Yeah. I thought we watched Cloud Atlas and then talked about it on Bad Philosophy. We did that with Upstream Color. Nope. I'm pretty sure we watched Cloud Atlas and then had an episode about it right afterward. I don't think I've seen Cloud Atlas. <laughs> okay. Continue <laughs> while I verify this. No, you know what it was? Um, Upstream color? Because we did that. <laughs> no, it was um, uh, what's it, with Bruce Willis and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Looper. Looper. And then we had an episode. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not Cloud Very Atlas. Very different from 
But I feel like we talked about Cloud Atlas in that episode. Maybe. Yeah. So they they didn't make The Matrix again. They yeah. made this movie. They made this movie that is that I think. I mean, the characters are a little 2D, yeah. but it's an action movie, so that's not unusual. Um, it's a sci-fi action movie with an original universe that I think mm-hmm. is really interesting. And there's a lot of there's definitely some like hand waving of yeah, just don't don't look too hard at that. Yeah. Don't don't, <laughs> don't look too hard. Right. But there's there's really this is interesting a model home. Really interesting character design. Um, really interesting universe building sort of this idea of of and it's again not necessarily a truly original idea but mm-hmm. you know the earth being a seed planet um sort of that you know humanity's been around for billions of years mm-hmm. and they seed these other planets for humans to grow on mm. um unknowing unknown to the people who live there like that's not part of it they don't know that they're that's what they're being used for right so hmm but it's done well. Um, Eddie Redmayne makes some really cool choices that everybody else seems to hate. What? Who's? Uh, he's the closest thing the movie has to a villain. Oh. Um, but he he has a very raspy sort of whisper voice that he talks in most of the time, um, and it's it's a very it's not a typical set of choices. But I also look towards like it, it reminded me of in weird ways, and not because they were similar, but in sort of those weird choices of. Yeah. Um, is it Gary Oldman in The Fifth Element? Oh, I really liked him as a villain. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there's some there's some elements of that. Not, I mean, also structurally, in that the in Fifth Element they never meet. Like, yeah. The the two main characters, the the villain, and the hero never actually meet in the Fifth Element. Hmm. It's a really interesting sort of thing. Um, also, forgot about that. Kirk yeah. and Khan never meet in The Wrath of Khan. It's Ooh. it's a time worn trope. Uh, it's Ooh. one of the best sci fi movies have done that. And I was really hoping they would do it in this one as we were going through it, because there, there was a long period of time where they never interacted with each other. Oh. Um, where Jupiter and Eddie Redmayne's character never interacted. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if they did that? Like, if they pulled it, but they didn't. Oh, so, okay. Uh, they meet. Um, oh. And and it's it's got some structural problems. Um, it could it could have been better. There's a few things that you kind of go, wait, didn't we just do this? <laughs> oh. um, but it's okay. But it is it is not a twenty two percent Rotten Tomatoes rating bad. I don't know how that happened. Um, I enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah. Um, I would not call it their best movie. Um, it's still in the IMAX, by the way. I don't know. I didn't see it on IMAX. I went. Hmm. We went. I had a uh, gift card to Draft House, and I used that to see it. Um, but it's fun. Munching on popcorn, like just along for the ride. Hmm. Like a roller coaster. All right. Interestingly enough, uh, Lana Wachowski is the first out transgender director in Hollywood. Oh, good for her. Yeah, it was kind of it was a secret for a long time. There were rumors and stuff about it from for years, right after the Matrix, even. Yeah. Um, but she came out a few years ago. Yeah, I think we we talked about that. Yeah. At some point. I mean, just yeah. it just it fits into what we're talking well, about today. And so <laughs> so this came up. The other day, I actually was at the Poetry Slam. Yeah. Um, someone said the Wachowski brothers. Mm-hmm. And, like, so I sort of wonder, is is it, does it's it... It's the Wachowskis. It's the Wachowskis. Yeah. But you don't, like, you don't refer to, if you're referring to a point in time before she had come out, you, you still, still say the Wachowskis. The Wachowskis. Yes. You, you, you sort of... Retcon it. Yes. Okay. Back to the. Um, okay. In the same way that uh, Chelsea Manning should is always, always be Chelsea, Chelsea Manning. Manning. Yeah. Um, it's just because that was not. What if you're reading historical documentation, like a, an article about it, 
If you're from quoting that, it, if you're quoting it, you, you use quote it. the quote, okay, um, and and potentially put a footnote in it about you know right. how this is, Beep. is yeah, yeah, change, yeah. Um, but only if you're like directly quoting it. If you're mm-hmm. talking about reading a historical document, you know, let's say I picked up the the trial transcripts of Manning's trial, yeah, I would refer to if I was talking about them, I would refer to Chelsea Manning as such in my discussion thereof, yeah. Even though all throughout it says Bradley. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to. There's actually that. there's there's uh, an AP a, a Glad created AP recommended style guide for how to do that. Huh. Yeah. Okay. And sort of sort of Good like guidelines know. of how to talk about it, what terminology to use. Yeah. How to reference these sorts of things, um, things to avoid, things to do. Hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. All right, now maybe give it another chance. Yeah, I mean, go see or the give it a chance for, period. for lack of a better, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's if it's, it's such a spectacle, I'm like, oh, it is. Maybe it is spectacular. Going to see it in IMAX would be the um, best way to go see that movie. Like that's one thing the Wachowskis have never failed to deliver on is spectacular. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I love, I love a good looking sci fi movie. Yeah, we got a, we got a lot of good ones recently. Yeah. Or more than usual, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, let's go ahead and wrap up the episode. Yeah. I think we, we touched on some okay, interesting things. Okay, cool. Right, you know, next one's coming up. We will definitely... Record again soon. Record again soon. And... To think about those song lyrics. Yeah. Uh-huh. What am I going to put on... Yep. I guess we sort of we both dropped the ball, so we got yeah. mutually... Yeah, we're going we're gonna to yeah. mutually screw destruction this thing. Right. Um, um, let me go to my music library. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap things up then. You can uh, follow us as always at badphilosophy.com. I'm on Twitter, S T O R R E N C E. Kevin mm-hmm. is K E V S A U N D. Yep, that's me. Kev's on. And uh, oh, I'm toying with the idea of blogging again, but I just. Yeah, I came across this quote the other day this aphorism. Aphorism. Mm-hmm. Hey, aphorism. Aphorism. Yeah. <laughs> Reading that's not done for writing is just high class idling. And I've been reading a lot lately. <laughs> yeah. And not writing a lot. That's and I fair. sort of wonder is there is there an imbalance there that I am um, maybe I need to correct. So we'll see. Yeah. Writing is hard for me. I can I can sit down and talk for an hour <laughs> and be much and be as articulate as I care to be. Yeah. Way more than I can like sit down and write for an hour and be as ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, I have a really hard time just like banging out a rough draft of something. Um, Yeah, I I like to um, edit as I write, which is a terrible idea. Terrible. Well, it's not. You're not done writing until you're done editing. True. (laughs) So I like to like do it both at once. But it comes from my. I think it comes from my like college days of the way I would write was just like I'm gonna write this whole paper now now. and be cool with it and be good enough to like bullshit my way through the whole thing mm-hmm. <laughs> the first time and do minimal editing uh, can't really I don't know I'm not satisfied with that anymore I'd like to try That's a different fair. way alright well thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy I'll be there for Philosophy.com. Soy muy delicioso.